This is an SM Media production. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of The Sit Down. I'm Scott McPike, I'm your host, delighted to be here again. This week I'm joined by the true definition of a one-club man, the pride of New Farm, Kilmarnock legend Gary Hay. Gary, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much, Scott. That was a nice uh, introduction. How you, do- how you doing? You all right? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing well yourself. Aye, good, mate. What's been happening? But how you been dealing with the, the current situation we're all in? Um, again, like many others, it's just you just have to adapt, don't you, to kind of new things. Obviously, the beginning, kind of March time, we had that major kind of lockdown. Um, you know, it was almost like a reset button for everyone. So, yeah. um, it was it was weird, obviously. Um, but I was I was actually still working uh, during during uh, that sort of lockdown. Um, my kind of current job, we kind of took things onto like an online platform. Yeah. Um, so there's a huge amount of work was needing done in the background um, to make that happen for us. So I was part of a working group that was dealing with that. So I was kept busy with work and also obviously my eldest, my eldest boy, he's um, he's of school age. So he yeah. was doing his school work from home. So it was a wee bit of helping with that as well, um, which was probably the toughest thing out of everything yeah. was you know, having to do that, I've got a lot more respect for teachers, that's for sure. Brilliant. Like, what's, as well as that, like, you're obviously involved with the SFA, like, what's been your, kind of, what have you been kind of doing during it? Like, how different has it been? As I say, I mean, obviously football, normal football is, is out in a pitch and, yeah. you know, there's people out and, you know, part of my, my job is delivering coach education courses. So, Immediately when this kind of happened, the whole lockdown and football was stopped, you know, at all levels. Yeah. And you know, we had to kind of get our thinking caps on and how we could try and still help coaches out there. Yeah. You know I mean, to, to, you know, keep progressing, keep learning. And, you know, when we get back onto the pitch, and then they've got the better tools to, to be able to go and make the, the players better and give them better experiences. So our thoughts was trying to take some the, the kind of level one courses down online platform. Yeah. Um, that's kind of snowballed into even parts of the, the B license and A license courses being delivered via online. Um, so it's been good actually. It's it's been great to be part of, you know, the kind yeah. of working group to try and develop these courses to an online platform and then even delivering the courses online has been good. The feedback's been good by the, the people on the courses. Brilliant, brilliant news. Just as well, just you were obviously at Kilmarnock on Sunday. What was that like, just to be at a stadium with no fans? Oh, that was brilliant. Um, was it? Like, aye, it was great. Just, just to be at a game. Um, I said that to, to Gavin and uh, the other guys that were, were taking it. I just said, I said, it's just, just brilliant to be here. Um, they said, you don't find it weird because there's no fans. And I said, yes, obviously it is. But aye. I was used to obviously playing... We played lots of closed door matches. Yeah, yeah. Um, whether it's pre season or it's just during the season, you would play a team and they'd be closed door. And for me, when I go to football, I watch the game, you know, yeah. and obviously the atmosphere adds to it. And fans are solely missed, there's no doubt about that. But it was just great to be back in the stadium and, mm-hmm. you know, and watching, watching real football, if you want to call it that. 
brilliant, definitely. Just to, we'll start off, just talk about, about your early years, kind of growing up. Like obviously, you grew up in New Farm. What was, what was your kind of family life like in early school days? Aye, it was great. Um, I stayed in New Farm, obviously, kind of all my days, um, until I, I kind of flew the nest. And you know, it was fantastic. Stayed there with my mum and dad and my two elder brothers. Um, so it was great, great family life in that sense. And just... The area I grew up in, lots of friends that you know are still my best friends to these yeah. days. Um, so I, it was fantastic, you know. And we had the we had the new farm law pitch, which yeah. was literally a, a two minute walk from me around there. And my memories of growing up there is us being down there the whole summers. If we weren't there, we were down the Jimmy, as it's called. That's now the William McAvaney campus, and the school yeah. sits on where we used to play football. Um, and that's that's what our summers entail being there. Or, venturing over to the Key Park to go to the pitch and putt and things, you know. So I uh, lots of great memories of, of growing up in that area. Brilliant. Obviously, when did you start kind of playing football? It was the boys club days. Like, who was your first kind of boys club? Uh, first, my, my dad, um, he used to help out at New Farm under 10s. He helped coach uh, Benny Fraser. Right. Um, so I was only seven at the time. And the boys were under 10. So I would go and train. And uh, I would go and train with them all the time. And then I would... I would go and play as well in the matches, um, but because obviously I was always quite slight, I'm quite small, and the boys right. were always way bigger than me, so I wouldn't get a lot of game time. Back then, it was a living aside as well, you know, right. so it was a bit mental when you think about that, but, you know, seven-year-old, and I would get 10 minutes here or 15 minutes in a game here or there when I was seven-year-old at under 10s, and I did that for until that group of players went up to, I think it was about under 12s, yeah. And then, you know, Benny and my dad's like, right, we need to get you back to going on to going playing at your own age group because yeah. boys are starting to get really big now, um, you know, and they're going to trample all over you. So it was brilliant. It was a great experience. When I, when I think about it now, I, I definitely think that helped mould me mm-hmm. in the early days as a player about, Definitely. you know, having to deal with players who are bigger and stronger. And, you know, you have to be a wee bit smarter in the head to, to combat that at times. Definitely. As well as that, you also grew up a Kilmarnock fan. Like, who were your kind of heroes when you were growing up? Oh, eh, it would be the main one was Tommy Burns. There's no mm. no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, it was just he came to Kilmarnock at the right time for me and the guys of age I was. So you're, you're really yeah. aware. You know, I idolised Tommy Burns. I just thought he was an unbelievable player, a great leader. Yeah. Um, just a fantastic player, but there was loads of players around that, even like Bobby Williamson. I can remember going down to Rugby Park and Bobby would be playing up top and thought he was a great player and um, kind of latterly Ali Mitchell as well. Nice. You know, the Bullingry Bull is known <laughs> as. Um, what a player, what a player Billy nice. was as well. I loved him and um, just all action. Um, so I know some, some great players over the years that I got to see, but Tommy was definitely the kind of main one. Brilliant. And obviously, like when you were coming through boys club and that, you signed for Kilmarnock when you were fourteen. Just talk us through kind of how how that came about and how the kind of scouting process worked. Uh, well, the scouting process was essentially it was my French teacher um, who took the the James Hamilton school team right. that I played in, and he was a huge Kilmarnock fan. He was a Kilmarnock shareholder as well, uh, Mister Thompson. Right. And sadly, not with us anymore. He passed away a number of years ago. Um, but he had obviously had me for the school team and 
must have liked what he'd seen and he had informed, you know, Alan Robertson and it was we Jimmy Clark at the time and Stuart Stuart McLean, who were the, the, right. the main coaches. Um so he got me in, in a trial with Kelly then. So you played with your boys' club. So at that point I had been playing with Chris House Boys Club. And so you then you went and trained maybe once or twice a week. And you played your games for your for your boys' club team in the weekend. So I fantastic. It was I loved it. I loved um, you know, obviously I was a Kelly fan, so yeah. again, I almost called myself a Kelly player at that age was was a was a great experience. Mm-hmm. And obviously there'd been YTS in those days, wouldn't it? Like I, you know, again at fourteen I signed what was known as a schoolboys form mm-hmm. for a look at that point and Again, even thinking about that, that's what a special day that was because Tommy Burns was the manager of the club ah, yeah, at that yeah. time. He yeah. came to the school. Right. Um, he came to the school and I signed this with the head teacher present and my dad present as well. And my mum still has the picture up in the wall um, from that day. So I'm this wee spotty 14 year old. Thankfully, it's a black and white. A wee spotty 14 year old and, and Tommy Burns was we came to my school and signed me. I remember my big brother taking me down the town to buy my new jacket because you know Tommy Burns was coming to to sign me for the school at, at the school. So I was that was an amazing amazing memory. I, really, I can I remember signing and you know I was obviously really shy and quiet mm-hmm. and you know and, and Tommy Burns just says to me, he says remember son. Says everything you do, you represent Commander Football Club. You don't let yourself down, and I was like, yes, yes, sir. You know, I was terrified, um, but it was definitely something that, that stuck with me for sure. Brilliant. Was there any other clubs looking at you, or was it just Commander? Uh, it was probably I had offers to go and train at Dundee United. I went up to train at Rangers once as well, but I just right. I was a, quite a shy wee guy, and I just mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy it at all when I went there. To be fair, they were training in Glaze as well. Which right, okay. I hadn't really experienced before <laughs> being an Ayrshire boy. I know it was quite common up in the Glasgow areas, but there wasn't any blaze pitches in, in Ayrshire. I remember one being in Stewarton and I absolutely right. detested playing on it. Um, so I, I didn't quite enjoy that, enjoy that experience. Done United, I wasn't really interested because I was, I was training with the team that I wanted to be with anyway. So um, I was delighted with that. Probably more latterly, after I had signed the schoolboy forms, I played the Chris House football team that I played with had folded, um, and then I moved to Valspar. Right, okay. There was here as a boys' club, mm-hmm. and we had a really good team, to be fair. Um, we had a lot of boys that, when we turned 16, a lot of us managed to go into kind of professional clubs. And at that point, under 14s, under 15s, we went down south. And played a couple of games. We played went down to Oldham actually, mm-hmm. and um, we played their academy team, and we beat them ten nothing or something like that. So and Joe Royal was there, right? The, the Oldham manager yeah. as well. Off the back of that, um, he had asked for he wanted a half a dozen is to mm-hmm. go back down when we were about fifteen and train. And I was already signed with Kilmarnock in the schoolboy form, so I wasn't allowed to do that. Yeah, um, but again. I wasn't too worried about that. Another one was probably the one that I was, was gutted about was um, we also had a Liverpool scout that had asked for a couple of the boys. They'd asked for three of us. I was one of them. And another boy, Robert Vincent, and um, Stuart Conley was another boy and mm-hmm. asked them to go down to Liverpool um, and train with them when they were about 15. Uh, and I was gutted. I wasn't going to lie. I didn't get that opportunity to go, but... 
because um, I know that would just have been a great experience. Yeah, um, would have been. You know, that, that was kind of where it was. Who was in that Valspar team? It was... It was, there was no, nobody that then went on to actually carve a professional career, unfortunately, but um, there was honestly, there was, there was myself and Robert Vincent that ended up going in full-time at Kilmarnock yeah. in the YTS team. Um, and Robert actually did make one or two first-team appearances for the, for the club under Galway Robinson, but then get sort of released when... He was around twenty year old, but right. the other guys, three of them actually ended up signing for Oldham um, okay. full time, and they were sixteen and moved down there. But it never worked out for any of them. Um, yeah. I think I'll come back up the road. Another boy, Lee, he ended up going down to London and sort of playing semi pro. And I used to hear hear from him back back and forth. I used to get those phone call every couple of years <laughs> from him. So last time I spoke to him, he was he was gassed fit, and he was also a semi pro player down in the London area. Um, so no, there was a lot of good boys, and you know, as I say, we had a good team at that point. Brilliant. Just talk a bit about your YTS days as well, because every every player I've I've spoke to that went through that said it was the best time of their life. Like, would you would you agree with that? One hundred percent. Yeah, I would actually. Um, it's weird. YTS in those days, in my days, was nowadays what they do with the kind of young players. They, they invite teams of young players in, so they'll take, maybe take a whole under-18 squad into full-time right. football. But in those days, I think, you know, the, the way the structures of first teams were, there was more experienced players, bigger squads. So it probably not allowed for maybe three or four of what they would deem the sort of better players in that, mm-hmm. that young squad to be yeah. offered. YTS kind of thing. So I come through the YTS, as I say, with Robert and um, Alex Burke. another one at yeah, Harry McCutcheon. Don't know if right. you know, remember Gary McCutcheon as well, um, and Stuart Davidson. Okay. We went on to kind of forge a good career in the junior yeah. game. Aye, heard the name. Um, so we were the, it was a sort of four of us mainly, right. um, the YTS days, and it was just brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> the downside it was, was quite often we didn't get to train, see if Rangers or Celtic were coming at the weekend. Aye. That we wouldn't train that week because we would be out. Oh, Gus Hollis, who was a, the head groundsman at the time, hard taskmaster, had us out and we'd be cleaning the seats, we'd be cleaning the bird shite off all the seats and, and we'd be moaning but that, you know, an 18,000 seater stadium when he had his cleaning track and gets to clean nearly every seat in the stadium, I thought, it's not going to be 18,000 here, why can we not clean them all, how can we not get to train and, oh, we used to, we used to it was great fun because, as I say, Gus was a, a real hard taskmaster and yeah. be is about and we'd be hiding and you had some great characters you've got you know Matt Gallagher who's the, now the head's groundsman there Gal was on the ground staff and was a right. brilliant guy and you had an old guy Danny um, old Danny from South who again helped Gus Danny was um, God I don't know what age Danny must be now he must be closer to 80 but when I was going through the YTS he looked about 90 you know, <laughs> Looked so old, but what a guy he was. Absolutely brilliant. And aye, uh, great. Just so funny, Danny. And he liked a couple of cans here and there. And you could sometimes sometimes he had the dungarees on and he'd be doing the he'd be doing the white lines for the pitch and he'd have a can of Miller down the inside of his dungarees. Brilliant. <laughs> and then you could look you would look down the line after he's finished and the lines like that. It's all wavy. He's <laughs> doing honestly, what a man. An amazing guy. Um so I uh, the YTS days generally were some of the funniest 
um, days that we had, um, and aye, brilliant guys that I did it, did the YTS with as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, well, you were, you were kind of there for seven years before you made your debut. Like, who were your kind of mentors, like in the plane, plane wise? Like, who were the kind of coaches that were helping you at the time? Well, the coaches went once I went into to Kilmarnock, It was it was Alan Robertson was the kind of head coach, and Stuart McLean was another one. Um, Paul Clark again right. was kind of out coaching at that point as well, and probably alongside Robbie and Stuart, probably the main one for me was Jimmy Clark. You know, right. I remember Jimmy Clark was taking his when I was doing it, training under 13s and 14s. And then by the time I was in YTS, Jim was also in as an assistant manager to, to Bobby eventually. Yeah. Um, so I'd probably say Jim was a fantastic coach um, and a, a real good mentor in that sense for us all, and as was obviously Alan Robertson and mm-hmm. Stuart McLean, you know, two great guys and um, learned so much from them uh, coming through. Mm-hmm. And as well as that, like youth team days, like what was the kind of memories for them? I again just always kind of related to the YTS, but your team days were great as well. Like, Noah, again, we had some, some good wee players there. Alex Burke was a, a fantastic footballer, um, yeah. obviously part of the 97 uh, cut winning team alongside Aye. David Bagan. Ba- David Bagan was just a, kind of half a year older than us, so he'd Aye. already completed the YTS um, scheme. But um, Aye, Burke, what a player he was, unbelievable. And, my memories are the the youth team games was that really it was you know we could play games sometimes and we I remember we played I think it was Hearts up at um, Newton Grange Stars Stadium it was that we played them in a youth game and Burke was absolutely rotten for about eighty <laughs> minutes eighty minutes just rotten and we were drawing the game and then he just had the last 10 minutes of the game he just had magic and he scored a couple of goals or he definitely scored one and then maybe set up another one just with you know with brilliant trickery and brilliant skill and on his day he was just an amazing player and uh, he's, he's one of the best that I've played with anyways you know he was so talented and he probably he'll tell you himself probably probably didn't fulfill it as well as what right. he should have mm-hmm. you know? so I, I, that's I always said that, like, obviously, like, he done pretty well, but he could have done probably a bit more. But, mm-hmm. like, as well as that, like, I just want to touch on, like, it took, like, as I said, like, it took you seven years to make your debut. Was there, like, was there worries that you were never going to get that first team chance? Aye, definitely, definitely. Again, it was. I was eighteen. I was the same age as Burke, and it was the same age as David. It's been naked. Bobby took over from Alex Totten and everybody within, we were in the reserve team at that point and Bobby was the reserve team manager and mm-hmm. well, I could see that Burke and Beggy were ready to be pushed into that first team level. Alex Totten was at the manager at the time and quite honestly he was too loyal to some players who, you know, weren't good enough for him. Yeah. What the team needed, they needed that wee injection and freshness. a bit of youth and a bit of freshness to it. Yeah. And that's that's basically what Bobby done. Mm-hmm. You know, he took over the job and Burke and Beggy were playing from there and on in. Mm-hmm. And it helped a good set of players just kinda of, it just gave them another push and another bounce. Um so I and that that was tough because obviously I was a similar age come through, particularly with Burke, came through the, the kind of youth levels with them and 
I was so happy for him and so delighted for him and just wanted that for myself. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, you know, I just had to be much more patient and you were going year to year after you become a kind of young professional at the YTS. I was going for a one-year contract thinking, I'm not in the first team here, am I actually? I'm not going to get a contract here. And then, you know, Bobby's like, I see something in you, blah, blah, yeah. I keep working hard. You know, there's another year. And I, I kind of had a couple of years of that. Um, before eventually I got 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 an opportunity, so mm-hmm. I it was really tough. If I'm being honest, it was really tough. But again, there was a lot of good players and around the club at that point. Yeah, um, Dylan I was I speak to Dylan Kerr quite a bit, and he was brilliant to talk to. And yeah, you know, he was more experienced, and you know, he gave me good bits of advice. And you know, as I say, the dressing room itself was was brilliant. Mm-hmm. A lot of experienced players that had been around the block that were that were very helpful. Mm-hmm. And just like obviously, like when we get to your debut, like you nearly go and loan to Queen of the South. Like, do you remember that? And how, like, what was it? Yeah, were, uh-huh. were you worried about? Were you kind of wanting to go there or to get first team football? Or? I was wanting to play. That's yeah. for sure. Because again, back then you played reserve team football, and reserve team football was actually a good challenge because I, I would be playing with. I played with Monty a few times. Mm-hmm. You know, how good? Team. How good was he? How good was he to play alongside? Monty was just a brilliant defender. No. And again, I don't think he'll feel hurt if I say on the ball he wasn't the greatest, but yeah. there was nobody better than defending it than Monty. Um, you know, his nickname was Ditcher, last ditch tackle. Um, and it no. was his timing in the tackles. Um, he's reading the game in those moments, absolutely fantastic. And he really looked after himself. Yeah. You know, he was a real athlete. Um, and again, another great role model to mm-hmm. for a young player coming through at the club. Mm-hmm. So with Queen of the South, like obviously that doesn't that doesn't happen. But what was the kind of memories when Bobby Wilson tells you that you're going to play against Rangers? Because it was it Dylan Kerr and Martin Bacon get injured. Uh huh. So yeah. So I'd, the the uh, the loan was agreed with Queen of the South. I actually played for them in a friendly game. Uh, right. And Lars did a Sunday game against Queen Rangers. Right. And um, I went and played on it, um, and then I was back in training on Monday, and I think it was a Tuesday. Dylan was injured. He's, Dylan had a lot of trouble with his groins at that right. stage okay. in his career, um, where it was just a lot of pain, and I think it ended up being you kind know, of osteitis pubis that he had, which was yeah. quite a sore one. Yeah. Um, and Bakesy was obviously in, and then I think, I can't remember if it was on Monday or the Tuesday at training, but Bakesy broke his thumb, right. essentially, in training. So then it was the, I think it was a Wednesday morning. I'm sure we were in all week that week because obviously it was coming up to the first game of the season and Bobby pulled me in on the Wednesday morning. He says, right, uh, I've cancelled your loan to Queen of the South. Uh, you're, playing at, you're playing at Ibrox Saturday. And I'm like, ah, all right, okay, great. <laughs> um, and that was that. And then I got to his office and then we went to train. So from sort of the Wednesday to the to the Saturday it became Bobby was working on his shape and his patterns and you know set pieces, etc. from kind of Wednesday onwards. So I knew I was playing from Wednesday, so that was a good yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. You because know, it just helped me kind of process that in my head. Um I was desperate to play. Obviously, there's nerves like any time, any game you're nervous. Um but then I was just kind of focusing, right? Just just do your best, mm-hmm. um, and you know that. Do your best, and hope that's that's good enough. 
basically. Brilliant. And what was the kind of ner- what was the nerve process like? What was the process like for Wednesday to the Saturday? Like, just how nervous were you? Uh, I was no. I was I was nervous. There's no doubt about that. Um, but again, you know, always had nerves before a game. It's hard to remember if I was more nervous then. Probably would have been, of course. Right. Um, in my head, in any game that I went into, I always just tried to say to myself, just start well. If you get an early touch of the ball, make sure that you find a teammate nice and early. Yeah. And even if that's a five-yard pass, that's mm-hmm. just enough to kind of settle early. you into the game. So that's that's what I always try to do in most games, where just just try and settle into the game, make a nice, simple pass, don't make any mistakes, particularly if, when you play the further back you play, then you make a mistake, invariably it can cost the team a goal. So right. I, was, I was conscious of that. So just play myself into the game. Um, and that's that's what I tried to do. So, you know, it was it was, it was a wonderful experience, to be fair. Mm-hmm. And obviously when you... When you come out that come out that day against Rangers, like how what's that atmosphere like? Like especially for somebody so young, like how what does that atmosphere do to you? Oh, it was amazing. Um, and again, I can still the memories of walking out at Ibrox are probably my favourite, to be honest. Because mm-hmm. again, I think it might have been fortunate, fortunate or unfortunate, however you want to look at it, of playing Rangers in the first day of the season when they'd actually won the league. So I yeah. think they'd won the league that season. Yeah, maybe. they did. Yeah. That was advocate so, first season. Ah, yeah. uh, so you can imagine the place is absolutely bouncing. First game of the season, jam-packed Ibrox. Um, we're lined up in the tunnel, ready to go out. Um, myself and Freddie Dindaloo actually made their debuts that day. Right. Um, first team debuts. Freddie was a new signing in the yeah. summer, so Freddie, Freddie barely spoke a word of English as well. <laughs> and he was playing behind me. He was, I, was, I was a wing back that day, and Freddie played left of a three. Um, so I that was it was good and I just the noise you right. walk out and just the noise just it's just so loud and I can remember in that game and many other games see when you're trying to shout to a teammate that's 15 yards away and he can't hear you right. you know so it's but it's brilliant I love I love that and it's certainly one of the parts of the game that you miss is those big big atmospheres. Definitely. He's obviously he's lose two one in the first game, but obviously it must have been a great feeling to play in your debut. Like, who were you up against that day? Like who was who was your director? Uh, I was up against uh, Cloudy Arena actually, who scored the winner, right. and who lost me, who <laughs> I lost sorry for the goal as well. Um, but I, again, they had a fantastic team. He was a good player, obviously, yeah. um, really good player. So I was playing wing back. I think that day and Ali Mitchell was playing sort of in front of me as well, like in the inside a wee bit. So, um, again, having somebody like Ali Mitchell in front of you who you know is going to work so, so hard is mm-hmm. no helps. Yeah. Um, so, I again, I thought overall I had a decent debut, I had a, a good game, but I got done for the, for the second goal. I think it was Ali Mitchell. Rangers scored first and then Ali Mitchell got an equaliser and then the arena scored. They did a sort of wee kind of one-two at the edge of the box around me, and I just oversold myself. You know, that way I thought I was going to get it from, and he's popped yeah. it inside, and he was away, and he kind of tidy finish by Big Marsh, I think it was. So mm-hmm. I, I can done for the goal, um, but you know, I thought overall I had a kind of decent game, and um, you know, I think Bobby was happy with me, fair because mm-hmm. he never slapped me for the goal part. If Bobby was happy with your first game, he'll be delighted with your second game. Do you remember your second game for Kilmarnock? 
Yeah, I do. I do for sure. Obviously, it's sort of ingrained in the memory of you know managing to to notch a couple of goals. Two now against Aberdeen, and you scored both goals. How good a feeling was that? Uh-huh. Oh, that was uh, surreal, to be honest. Um, and again, if you remember, I think it was Marco that maybe spoke to the press after the game. And he's like, listen, we're shocked that, that Gary's managed to score two goals because he didn't even score in training. Um, he wasn't kind of far wrong with that one. Um, I crazy, to be fair. And it was, it was one of the games. Again, I was playing wing-back that day. Um, Aberdeen weren't a great lot. If you want to call it that, that season, okay. he might have finished quite low down in the league, if not bottom that year, and were saved by reconstruction or whatever. I'm not uh, sure if it was that season. I think you're but, right, actually. Aye. Um, but you know, I fantastic, great memories. Um, you know, I can can I still remember both goals, particularly the first one actually won goal of the month that year and that season and. Uh, sports scene or whatever it was called back then. Um, that was a good, a good wee proud moment. And, you know, the second one I managed to score with my right foot of all things for about 25 yards. That, you know, I don't know I don't know what goalie was doing, to be honest. You could have probably tied a bit to the crossbar that would have saved it. But <laughs> he never managed to. Were you always a left-back? Uh, no. No, I was... Again, funnily enough, my old boys club managers, David Love and Jack McGovern, used to give Alan Robertson pelters. Because when I used to play with his house in, in Valspar, I was, I was either left wing, left midfield, centre midfield, up front, and, you know, scoring a barrel load of goals. Um, and then, to be fair, I was in it commandly as a young player, as a, as a midfielder. Yeah. And then, one game, I think it was a... Under-16s, under-17s, under-18s friendly, I can't remember when exactly, and Roby put me to left-back. Somebody got injured, I think it was, and I went to left-back, and basically he kept me there for then on after, because it was at good energy levels, and I loved to get forward. Um, not so much the defending, but I loved to get forward, and you know, we obviously seen something in me there that, that, that he liked, and... I kind of kept and stayed there from then on in and didn't really get a sniff in midfield until kind of latterly in my career. Mm-hmm. And just as well as that, like obviously like we've, I've, I've had Mark and Alan in the show and things like that and they all, I always ask them about who were the characters in that team. Like who was, what was the team spirit like and who were the kind of good characters in that team in your mind? God, there's so many. Um, they're said kind of coming through like, you know, obviously Gerard and McCoy star. Yeah. Uh, everybody knows in the name ones, but there's so many, so many good professionals. Gus McPherson, mm-hmm. you know, Money, but what a professional. Learned so much from him about the game and how to look after yourself on a football pitch. Yeah. Um, you know, as I said earlier, Dylan Kerr was really good to speak to. Holt, he used to look after me a wee bit. He, when I stayed in New Farm, Holt, he stayed round the corner from me and he would pick me up because a lot of time I would get the bus to. Rugby no. Park, I would, I would walk or whatever, and hope he would pick me up and take me. And you know, he was a brilliant guy. And Gordon Marshall, Kevin McGowan, mm-hmm. Hoodie, you know, lots of just great people um, that like that looked after you and you know, just what played the played and looked after themselves in the, in the right way as mm-hmm. well, which was you know, a good lesson. Although, like the party hard as well at times, right. so you know, it was, it was a sort of good balance. So, there's so many good people. Obviously, like oh, during that season, you can you're in and out of the team. You don't play you you don't play between December and May. Do, do you remember why that was? I was trying to think that actually. I was trying to think 
I definitely picked up some injuries. Um, a couple of times in my career, I had done my ankle ligaments, right, and quite and quite badly. So I think that there was a period then where I was out for maybe a couple of months mm-hmm. um, with ankle ligament damage. Um, and that kind of kept me out the fold as such, and then kind of managed to get back in at a kind of latter stage um, of that season. I, play, I remember playing the sort of first four games. So we played Rangers, then Aberdeen, and I think we might have played St Johnston in the Cup, and I'd get man in the match in that yeah. game as well. Then we played the next one, and I think we get beat. And then Bobby had pulled me in. He says, Listen, you've done great, I'm really pleased with you. Um, although he started that conversation with, say, I thought I made a mistake giving you a new contract after that game in pre-season. We played a game in pre-season over in Germany against this second division German team and I got an absolute roasting <laughs> off this. There was a wee Iranian guy playing who was unbelievable and then I had about a six foot two German wide player against me so I got an absolute doing off of this these pair. Um, and Bob was like, I thought I'd made a mistake giving you another year but I didn't. You done, you've done brilliant. says it. But... I'm just going to take you out of the team now and get Martin back in and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And I was a bit annoyed because we'd lost one game and maybe yeah. I wasn't as what I'd been the previous three. But again, Martin was a new signing. So Bobby was probably thinking, you know, there's a wee bit of justification to try and for your signings to, to give them yeah. an opportunity as well. And so we could get back in. But um, aye, that's, that's football sometimes. Mm-hmm. And obviously the season after that, like Bobby puts a lot of faith in you and kind of gives you a run in the team and you solidify a place. Like how, how good was it that Bobby had that faith in you? It was great. Bobby was really good at he liked working on the defenders. Mm-hmm. Um which is funny funny as a striker. He, he was big on he was big on the back four being organised and structured. So we did a lot of work in the training ground and based around that and that helped me a lot. Um because I say I was always I was a forward thinking fullback. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily I wasn't strong in one v ones, you know. So these types of things. So I was always always trying to play against the opponent, thinking right, I want to try and make you defend against me rather than me having yeah. to defend against you because I know I'm not that good at it. Um, but he really helped me understanding how to be part of a back four, you know. But you know, distances for your centre backs, what yeah. you do in these types of situations. So. Um, it was really good. I think that season we actually might have went in a wee run where mm-hmm. we kept we kept loads of clean sheets for. Yeah. I think it was about eight to twelve games we went in a, in a run where you know we kept lots of clean sheets in those games and you know picked up a lot of victories. Um, was the highlight uh, was the highlight of that the three one at Ibrox? Yeah, it was certainly one of them. Um, you know, I remember going up to St Johnston actually and keeping a clean sheet, and that had been a tough game. But I, yeah. I broke the game was was brilliant, obviously. Um, funnily enough, I seen it on Twitter the other day there. Um, I think it was twenty years ago or something. Just the other day there, and again looking back at the Rangers team, then Aye. you know you think, wow. But I do remember before that game, I think Rangers were in crisis basically because. They had lost a league game, and then they yeah. lost a, a Champions League game. You think they're in crisis because of that, <laughs> but you could actually you could see it in the players. You know, right. you could see that when things weren't coming off for them, you know, in the game, there's that kind of wee drop of confidence in their level kind of thing, and yeah. we just took advantage of that, and we were solid. 
and you know we we done them in the counter attack really well. And Andy McLaren that day actually was exceptional. Yeah, you know, Andy, Andy was a really good player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought he was exceptional that day. That certainly helped us to the victory. Definitely. And just as another game I want to touch on for that season, obviously, like it must have been an honour for you to come out for your boyhood team in a cup final at Hamden. He's come up against Celtic. What? How good? How good a team were they? And what was the kind of feelings going into that game? Celtic were really formidable that season, you know, big team, mm-hmm. you know, big, physical, imposing team with somebody like Henry Larson, who maybe not at the time was seen as a world-class player, but yeah. once people seen him go and do what he did for Barcelona and Man United, they thought, ah, wait a minute, he was, watch. He was actually yeah. a world-class player, he was, he was oh, definitely, a yeah. tremendous footballer, um, great finisher, so intelligent, so smart and tough as well, to be fair to him. Yeah. Um, and with him, and you know, you had Chris Sutton, who was a fantastic footballer, John Hartson, you know, the guys at the back that they had were just man mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, they were a really strong and physical and imposing team. Um, and so going into the game was weird because we went down to Seamill for a couple of days before the game. And that, that was kind of par for the course for cup Aye. finals or yeah. games that teams would maybe do that. And we did did a bit of training, but not a hell of a lot of training. And nobody knew the team. Right. Bobby gave certainly gave no indication to me that I was going to be playing. He gave no indication to many others. I roomed with Hoodie in that one, and mm-hmm. me and him are thinking, I'm I'm like, I'm definitely no playing. You know, I know that for sure. You know, I had no inkling that I was going to play. I'd been. I'd, been out of the team then kind of come back in. I think I'd played up at Tynecastle previously that cup final. Maybe their game before and I'd played in that. Did okay, but we'd lost the game as well. Yeah. Um, sure, I was thinking it would go with Bakesy. Um And then quarter past two, we'd go into Hamden and he names his team and he names his subs. And geez, oh, I'm playing. Um, you know, which is quite mad when you think about it for a cup final. Probably know a wee bit more work done. We did do shaping and things, but it was like he was moving players all over the place, so he didn't have a clue, you know, who was going to be playing. Um, so I that was kind of mad. It was kind of flung upon you that you're playing. Yeah. So I was delighted. Um, we started the game brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's been well documented. Durante obviously played, but Durante's knee was yeah, in a real, real bad way by that uh, point. Um, you know, and he was wrapped in cotton wool for the game and. He came out and he ran the show for 30 minutes, yeah, I think. Yeah. When he was in midfield for Celtic. It must have been Lennon, Lambert and mm-hmm. Petrov, perhaps. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. And Durante ran, ran that game for half an hour, 35 minutes. He was on the pitch. But then he just couldn't sustain it and, mm-hmm. and he had to go off. And that did, it changed the game. And I know Celtic lost, can't remember, suddenly get sent off, can't remember who, but I know they got a player sent off and thinking, God, we have got a chance now, but Celtic, we lost Durant, that was a much bigger loss. Uh, definitely. Them, them going down to ten men, it really was. Mm-hmm. Um and we just uh, we just couldn't cope with our with our power and our strength and mm-hmm. our speed, to be fair, and we were we were well beaten in the day. Mm-hmm. Obviously like, later on you scored against Rangers, like did you enjoy playing against the old firm and like who were the hardest players you come up against in that kind of I God I I loved I loved playing against in the big games. Um playing against the best players because you knew that was a real test and your level had to be to be so high. 
Um, fantastic players on both sides. We kind of spoke about all the kind of Celtic ones there, like Lambert, Petrov, Larson, obviously, um, amazing players. Um, Rangers at that point, a kind of big Dutch influence. Aye. And so, you know, Ronald De Boer, what a player he was. Aye. Unbelievable. He's, he's, he had the best nutmeg I've ever seen ever. One big Chris Innes at Ibrox Aye. one time. Oh, Absolute delta right in the halfway line. Mick Chris is running in like a train <laughs> to the side and the boers not even facing him and then just pops it through his legs. Oh I was I was actually running back in with myself <laughs> laughing at that point. Yeah, he was an absolute belter. And, uh, he was a great player. Um I love Van Bronckhurst as well. Yeah, so obviously good, yeah. I was a left back at that point and he played either midfielder left back for Rangers and I just looked at him and thought, oh, what a player you are, just mm-hmm. so cultured. Great engine on him, um, and again, of a career at Barcelona and Arsenal. So that tells you the, the type of player he was and how good he was. Um, so I so many, and that was, you know, that's that's a privilege to play against those types of players. And okay. don't forget, probably one of our own and Scottish and Barry Ferguson, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. must have just been class to play against these players, like especially like, when you're just like, two years you've been through and you're playing against like. Larson, Hearts and certain players like that must have been a tremendous feeling. It was great. I mean, I'm going to lie, at the time, you didn't really think much about it. Um, you know, you are, you're focusing the game. You know, these players are really good and really big, but if you go into games and awe mm-hmm. of those type of characters, then you're in big trouble. We were wrong with time. We had some heavy defeats at both Ibrox and, and Parkhead because they were, they were incredibly right. strong that time. I know they, there's always a gulf between the old firm and the rest of the league, right. but at that point, you know, Rangers and Celtic, if you're thinking about wages and the players that they could attract compared to, you know, a Comarnock or Motherwell, etc., then the gulf was bigger then, yeah. I would have said, than it is Definitely. nowadays. Definitely. Obviously, like, like, Gary Hall goes to Norwich and you're kind of linked there too. Like, How good a player was Gary Hall to play alongside and like, how did the kind of near move come about for you? Uh, Holt, he was great. Um, as I say, Holt used to pick me up and stuff like that. And he was a brilliant guy. Um, made, he was really, Holt, he was excellent at breaking the play up. Um, yeah. And he boxed the box. He was so much energy in that, in the middle of the part. And that's, I can see why, obviously, that was an attraction. Um, a good physicality about him. Um, he wasn't a get on the ball and spray passes about type of midfielder. He was breaking the play up getting the ball to, to maybe the more uh, creative players, but he would then get himself in the box and get himself yeah. in the crosses and, and these types of things. So he was brilliant at that. He was really good. Um, his timing into the box was good. Um, the move, in regards to the move, it was, again, it was a strange one. Bobby had pulled me into the office and said that, uh, by the way, Norwich are interested in you. They've made a bid. The club's accepted it. And I'm like, all right, okay. <laughs> Um, so it was again. It was Bobby and Ian Welsh was the chief executive at the time. Right, okay. Pulled me in, and I'm like, "All right, okay." Um, I says, "Where's Norwich?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Where are you guys from? New Farm? Oh damn, how am I meant to know where Norwich is?" <laughs> and um, so Ian Welsh said, "This is not just brought up Norwich in the, the website or the internet or whatever it would have been in those days." And said, "This is Norwich. This is a club." Blah blah. I says, "All right, okay." Um, so, as I say, Bobby says, this was a Friday I get pulled in. So, the club's accepted the bid for you. Um, 
speak to your your agent and he think I spoke to Nigel Wolverton that Friday as well. He says Norwich managers want to speak to you, so we put him on. And I said, Hello, Mr. Wolverton, it's Gary Hay here. And he says, Hi Gary. He says, We had so much good reports about you. He says, We've been up watching Gary Hole, Gary for a number of months yeah. now. Scout, the scout's been raving about you as well. Your type of player that I'm looking for, blah blah blah. Um, I want you to come down on Monday. First thing, we'll show you around the stadium and show you the training complex, blah blah. And we'll, we want to get you signed up. And I says, right, okay. Um, so I phoned my girlfriend, who's now my wife at the time, to tell her. Mm-hmm. To it. it was a whirlwind, to be fair, because I was like, I was unsure if I'm being honest. Yeah. And actually, I was like, oh, wait a minute, you know. I was almost like, what have I done wrong type thing? Um, and then, you know, obviously Bobby, once I'd thought about it and I went home that night, I spoke to my, my girlfriend um, and then phoned my agent as well. And he says, right, that's fine. He says, I'll book the flights for us and we'll go down on Monday morning and speak to them. I says, right, okay, that's fine. Um, kind of looking forward to it now, you know, once you get your head. Yeah. Aye, and around it, mm-hmm. and then Saturday after, so Bobby says you're not playing tomorrow. He says don't want you getting injured, and right. it's it would be a big move for you, and it's a good move for the club and Bob, the girls aye. to get money. And I says right, okay. I was I was wanting to play, but it was the right decision because mm-hmm. my head was pickled. To be fair, yeah. Um, and then the Saturday pulled me in after the game. Says Norwich have pulled out. Says they've now saying that they can't afford you. Um, they've pulled out the deal. And I'm like, all right, okay, what's happened? He says, well, that's just telling us that they've not got the money there. Um, they can't, they're not going to go through with the deal. And mm-hmm. that's that, the deal was off. So that was that. And it was, again, it was quite a weird. And I met Bobby actually months ago, and he was like, that to you. he says, can't believe you didn't go to Norwich, you turned that move down. And I was like, I never turned it down, Bobby. I says, you pulled me out of the office and told me it was off. <laughs> He's like, Dada. <laughs> All right, is that what happened then, was it? So again, who knows? Who knows what really happened? Um, maybe Holt, his agent get windy and think, oh, they're going to spend that money on him, that'll be right. I'll just get that money for, for Holtie. Um, so who knows um, what happened? But, you know, see la such as life. And again, it was pleasing to know somebody else was interested yeah. in you. But it was also the club like, listen, we love you, etc. No matter what happens, you know, you'll be getting a contract from us as well. Yeah. And I end up seeing a three-year deal with the club as well because probably at that point I thought, well, we've got a bit of an asset here. If mm-hmm. teams are interested in them, then, you know, let's get them signed up and um, we'll see what happens from there. So yeah. I was delighted to, to sign a three-year deal because I've been going through year to, to the next year. Mm-hmm. At that point, it, was, it worked out well in the end. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Obviously, that season, Bobby, the season after Bobby leaves and goes to Hibs, like just how good a manager was Bobby Williamson for you, and what was your kind of feelings when he left? I was gutted. To be fair, again, I remember. I think it was I had it was in a sort of afternoon. I mean, it'd been wee whispers when we'd been training in the morning. And then I had went and done some gym work, and then come back down. So I was still hanging about, maybe half two or something. And then we Jimmy Clark was there. And Bobby come in, he says, says I'm away, we man, I'm going to Hibs. I'm like, all oh, right, okay. So you never really know what to say. I says, yeah. no, good luck. He says, listen, you've done brilliant. He says, next guy that comes in, I'll, 
you know, he'll love you. Mm-hmm. Just keep doing what you're doing and you'll be absolutely fine, kind of mm-hmm. thing. So that was him and me, Jimmy, stayed for the rest of that week, I think, for the training. Right. Um, where Bobby went to Hibs and just kind of took us through that. So I was gutted, I was gutted to see Bobby go because someone had come through the reserve team with as well. He was a yeah. manager on the first team level. Um, training was good. I liked you know, some of the defensive stuff that we'd done and we Jimmy Clark and Cabe, you know, Jeremy Cabe were two brilliant right. assistant coaches yeah. as well. Um definitely missed them as well. Um but you get to learn quickly, like probably any walk of life, that new people come in, clean slate, and you've just got new people to impress and in end of the day you're in the game for yourself. You want to be the person that's playing in that team. So, you know, you've just got to refocus and wait for the next person and hopefully impress them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the person that comes in is Jim Jeffries and Billy Brown. Like, what would you? What was your feelings with it? Like, when they come in, what was your kind of first interactions with them? Uh, early interactions, were, you know, were fine. It was guys were no going to come in and rip things up and change things immediately. Um, he's had a, a wee bit of success in the past. We want to, we want to get he's better. We want to get more consistent, and we want to keep us up as high as we can in the league. Yeah. Um, their way of working wasn't this similar to Bobby. It was they wanted to work hard on the training pitch. Yeah. Um, wanted you to put a hundred percent in the effort effort and everything that goes on in the training pitch and the thought process like that for me as well. If you put it in, in the training pitch then you know you hopefully take that into the game. So that was yeah. definitely the model and how they how they wanted the boys to be. Mm-hmm. And obviously you finished seventh that season, what was it? What would, what did he change much? Like did Obviously, I want to ask you. Alan's asked me to ask you about the, the Viking Stavanger game. What was your <laughs> thoughts on okay. that? But what was the kind of memories of that season? Aye, memories. Well, Viking Stavanger certainly a memory, that's for sure. Um, so I we went over there, first leg, to play them. Um, Norway, obviously, had a half decent team. Aye. The boy Eric Nevelin was up front for them. Aye, okay. just, I think, just left Man United. Um, so they were a decent side. Probably what you would expect from a Norwegian team, quite athletic, tall. Before the game, Bobby's saying, right lads, nothing stupid, let's keep it tight, don't make any mistakes, you know, let's play ourselves into this game here. Um, five minutes in, I think it was it, I think the goalie or somebody booted a long ball up the pitch towards me. I've went, I was playing against another big wide player, um, I've went to go and win it, and I've slipped, <laughs> and then the ball's bounced right over me, and this boy ran through and scored, <laughs> and I just looked over at the bench, and Bobby's like that with an A here, and I'm like, oh no, so, <laughs> it, just went to, it just went downhill for there after that as well, so um, aye, that was Viking Stavanger, it wasn't it? Certainly wasn't my greatest game, that's for sure. Um, so I heard he loves reminding me of that one. Well, I said that. I said, ask him about Viking Savannah. And he, he, yeah. thought he, he thought he would come back to that. Just when you talk, we touch on that as well, like how how good was that experience in the team? Like you'd like Alan Mahood, Andy McLaren, Gordon Marshall, kind of Gary McSwagan was in the team as well. But how important was that experience for that team just to, as like a togetherness? Aye, aye. You, you need, again, I remember Jimmy Nichols saying to me one time when he was in, he says, you're only as good as your senior pros. Mm-hmm. That's what he used to talk about. And 
was fortunate enough to co- coming through the team we having some great senior professionals to the game you know like, like Gordon Marshall you've just spoke about there and um, Gary McSwiggin as well you know a fantastic player so you know it, it was it's so important so important to the because generally senior professionals run the dressing room for you yeah um, they're a good lot if they, those ones are good and the younger ones tend to follow that example mm-hmm. um, so uh, no it was it was a good a good group of players. Obviously, Jim and Billy inherited players that maybe, Aye. in time, was ones that they were looking to kind of feed out, feed out to get their own players in, and that's like any manager, I suppose, isn't it? Um, yeah. And that's generally what happened that season. I think it was maybe about February time that that Jim came in, and we probably just weren't to get that top six. We just weren't consistent enough as mm-hmm. as, as simple as that because we had a decent team. We won some games, but lost some others that we shouldn't lose. You know, mm-hmm. invariably that's what then cost you that top six place. You need a good level of consistency to Definitely. get there. Definitely. The season after the two thousand two two thousand three season, you find that you finished fourth. Like, how good was that season? Just because obviously, come out finishing fourth even then was a amazing achievement. Just what, what did what did they do right? Like Jim and Billy. I again, it was probably just getting maybe some quality players on. You know, we had some quality there, and um, again, they, they kind of brought in maybe some of their own ones that they're more familiar with as well to yeah. try and instill their sort of way of playing as well. Um, and I think that helped. And again, we just we got that consistency level. Um, we were fairly solid at the back with, with a good goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. You know, big match. I think was still playing at that point yeah. for us. Um, and for me, you can't underestimate the importance of a goalkeeper. Oh, no, definitely not. Yeah. Definitely. Any your team, your goalkeeper, a good centre backs. You know, middle of the park. And if you get a striker who will nick you some goals, if that for a team like Kilmarnock, if we can get straight a striker who's going to get into double figures for you, yeah, put that with some goals for elsewhere, then you're not going to be far away. And that's invariably what happened for us that season. And, you know, a good levels of consistency, and you know, it was a successful season for sure. Mm-hmm. One player that's coming through at this time is Chris Boyd. I just want to touch mm-hmm. on. Could you see then just how good a, a finisher he was and what he was going to do in his career? Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, again, Boyd he started to train with us mm-hmm. um, when he was maybe seventeen, I think. Um, big daft boy for the Boughton. You know, that's <laughs> big Boydie um, when he first come in. Um, so I good personality um, took to that sort of being a young person coming into a, a mature dressing room um, like a duck to water yeah. um, had lots of self-confidence but wasn't arrogant with it right. you know, he had his ability um, and you can see within the training you know he had a sharpness with the goals his, um, his mentality in training was good you know, he was desperate to score goals even in the wee five-a-side games or mm-hmm. if it was that he was doing, he was concentrated on it, you know. And, um, you know, that's, that's what I liked about him is he's he, off the pitch, yes, he could be daft and love to carry on, but on the pitch and the training pitch, you like to work hard and, you know, he did the same in the games. Um, and he was, uh, he was a fantastic finisher. Yeah, brilliant. Obviously, the season after, like, it was a poor season. The o three o four. You just finished tenth. Like, why did you finish so low? Like, what was going on? Like, how, how did that? How, how, how has it changed from fourth to tenth in the space of a season? Uh, again, 
I think that season might have been the season that Big Marsh had left. Nah, it could have, uh, it probably was. Experienced boys had left, and then Colin Meldrum had been Marsh's understudy for a long time, but Melly was a wee bit older, but hadn't actually played that many games. And he right. gets opportunity to go, and you're never going to be, replace Big Marshall, to be fair. It was always mm-hmm. going to be, I think. I'm no blaming Big Melly for that. You know, it's, it's Melly, and it's maybe the defenders around that, and mm-hmm. the kind of team is all lost. One or two wee boy players brought some others in that needed time to gel. Yeah. But oh, again, you know, I think there'll be games where, you know, if Big Marsh had been my goalkeeper, perhaps it might have saved us. I'm not saying it would have been the top six, but yeah. it might not was what we had been. And I think that kind of plays a big part on it. And I think it was something that. Jim was trying to fix mm-hmm. well, at least a season anyway. Yeah. Because um, I think early and then the boy, I think it was Francois Duberdo. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, who for me was nowhere near the level that needed to be um, mm-hmm. a goalkeeper in the, the Scottish Premier League. Um, right. It was, to be honest. Um, and that's didn't help us, I don't think. Yeah. Um, and then collectively, that then kind of lowers confidence levels in people and these types of things. You hear it a lot with teams where you talk about, you know, we know we know we're strong at the back, we're you know, we're not going to concede today. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a real in that and we know that the attacking players are going hopefully nick a goal for us. So as well as maybe no being strong at the back, we struggled for goals that season. Yeah. I don't think you know, we get a great amount of goals. I'm not sure what boy they scored that season. He probably still get his Normal quota goals, but I don't think he was getting much help for elsewhere. Uh, yeah. Yes. You know. Mm-hmm. And just as well as that, I want to just touch on this with you. Like, obviously, you, the thing about Kilmarnock then was they always had a solid back line, like the likes of James Fowler, David Lilly, Dindaloo, Ford, Graham, players like that. Like, who were your kind of favourites to play alongside in the defence? Uh, Dindaloo, Big Freddy, because um, I was saying, both made their debut at the same time, and Freddy was brilliant. He was great off the pitch as well. You over the years we've obviously had lots of foreign players that come into the club and yeah. and some they're all they were all great as individuals but sometimes you just didn't quite get the culture and just didn't quite mm-hmm. get it and probably integrate themselves as well as what they should but Fred yeah. was you know he did he got it and he became a real legend a real fan's favourite and he was fantastic to play with um, we had Gordon Greer that come in who. Again, just needed to build his experience levels. Yeah. But he was fairly young, down to Blackburn, but hadn't played much, obviously. And he just needed to play at a good level, more experience. Yeah. And then he, be- he became the player that he was, you know, made a good career down in England. Um, he was a good defender. Um, Fow, obviously. Um, Commander Stalwart. You just got on really well? I got on great with Fow and still do. Um, Fow hated right back, though. You Did know, that's he? he wanted to. He get a sniff in midfield, and that's where he ended up staying there because he did so well. And but he hated playing right back. You know, it's <laughs> too close to the touchline for Fow playing right back. You know, <laughs> ball out of stand for there. Whereas in the centre of the park, it's much harder. You know, um, so I again some good players, and, and it just took time to gel. I think I don't know when we managed to get Fraser Wright in. Yeah, he came in. He and he came in that season. That season, yeah. He came in for part-time football, and again took a while to adjust. Aye. Honest, the first few sessions I seen him in training, I'm thinking, oh, he's going to struggle because big boy terrorised him Aye. in training. 
you know, he was coming short, spinning in behind him constantly and just, you know, really getting the better of him. But to be fair to Fraser, he really knuckled down. Yeah. He did a two, three months, get his fitness levels up, really looked after himself, you know, got stronger and everything else and then became a, a fantastic player for Kelly, a real great servant and a real fan's favourite, you know, because he was no nonsense, but he, yeah. he actually got much better on the ball as well. Yeah. And he did excellent. Um, and again, guys like him started to make us look more solid yeah. and he brought Comer, Alan Coleman. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. And another really good, another real good goalkeeper, madman mm-hmm. off the pitch. Is it? Um, oh, aye. And take <laughs> typical goalie, most of them were. Aye. <laughs> By Coleman was a special, special lunatic, shall we say? Um, aye, so again, but what a goalie, great aye. goalkeeper. Yeah. What was the kind of stories for the days? Like, is there any classics that stuck out? Eh, uh, ones that I can share. Um, yeah, you get big, well, big Nishi's one, big Colin who came. He's in been, he's been on. He's brilliant, hasn't he? Oh, Nishi is brilliant. So likable. Yeah. Uh, lovely big guy. Just if you said it was black, you would say it was white. Just to get <laughs> argument going, um, but loved him to bits. He was great, and one of the funniest things I seen was uh, Nashi kicking himself in the face. Um, Easter Road, ball come into the box, and I think he had his back to goal, and I think he tried to attempt like, to do like an overhead kick or something. <laughs> and he, he need himself in the face and had to get treatment. Video, oh, absolutely, what a boy. Um, so I that was with some good nights out. That's for sure. Just did the, the, the team spirit never change? Like, was it always just a good atmosphere like, in the dressing room all through yeah. your Kelly career? I it was really um, Bobby, Jim, really in the main signing players who they knew they would fit in mm-hmm. to the dressing room culture and the way people were, and that's that's probably. You know, recruitment of players is probably the key thing for any manager. Definitely, yeah. Uh, getting the right players and getting the right sorts. And invariably, Jim and, and Bobby and the guys, they got it right most of the time. And you always be ones that slip through the net that don't do quite as well as what you would hope to on the pitch. Yeah. Really, you know, there was very few, I can't really remember any where you thought, I really, really dislike that person. Mm-hmm. You know, there was nothing really like that at all. Mm-hmm. Another player that's coming through at this time that was that would go on to have a good career was Stephen Naismith. Like, how good was he when he, Nishi said he was quite raw when he was young? But did you what did you think about him when he, he first came through? I I could again I could see what Nishi means by that because he was just, he was a ball of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, he just needed to learn to to kind of slow down sometimes. Um, you know, but uh, what a player! I, mm. I remember Stephen actually play. I was to hand a trophy, it was Stuart Academy versus another academy um, playing in a local schools cup final at Rugby Park. So I had been asked to go along and watch it and then um, hand out a trophy and I think I picked the man of the match as well. Um, and Stephen played that day, um, oh, hat, head and shoulders above no. anyone. Just was like, oh, and I, I can't remember who I said to, I said, what a player that boy is. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'm going to he says, ah, he's one of ours. And I said, oh, brilliant. You know, what a player. Um, yeah. And then when he came into the first team environment, again, yeah, a wee bit raw, but just a great boy. Great mm-hmm. boy. 
absolute sponge as well. We we trained up in Glasgow at that point, and we'd car share it. I would I would drive most most of the time. It'd be myself, Maisie, Boydie, um, and one or two others over the over the course of years. I must as well. have been a, I must have been a fun car. Oh aye, oh, aye. <laughs> aye, good fun. Yeah. Again, Daft is a with a good laugh and amazing then again he was a sponge because he'd, he'd want to talk about the game he'd want to talk about yeah, yeah. what do you think I should do what we're doing in this situation Gary or you know what do I need to do to do this blah, blah, blah. just a sponge and I thought oh, he's, his attitude and desire second to none nobody better they work harder than him yeah. um, it was no shock in the least the career that he's had yeah. um, I really really yeah mm-hmm.